1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Faye. I'm joined this week just by Samuel Lutkus, but he's the only man we need at the moment. Our own Cristiano Ronaldo of the podcast <laughs> world winning games on his own. Uh, Samuel, you're at the London Stadium this weekend. Controversial match, a game which, you know, there's that dangerous narrative when United score late on that, you know, they got lucky. But a game they thoroughly deserve to win, even if the circumstances didn't necessarily go their way? Uh,
0: I, I'm I'm not too sure about thoroughly deserved. Um, I, I think they probably shade it overall, but th- there were a lot of momentum swings in the game. Uh, United were completely dominant at the start, and then Maguire's bit of dithering defending let West Ham in. That galvanised West Ham. The delay to the first changes United made was countered by Moyes. Yarmolenko came on, and there was a period of pressure there from... West Ham. But United, when when they were direct with their play, they always looked threatening. And the, the second half was a bit leaden. And and in fairness to Solskjaer, I, I was thinking at the time, well, what what's the first change going to be? And it, it was quite difficult to pinpoint it. And he, he was pretty original with his thinking in that he took Pogba off when he was probably the most accomplished of, of the midfielders. Well, not probably, he was. But Lingard certainly had to come on his impact was profound, as we saw. Uh, he he very, very rarely does tap-ins. Great reaction to his midweek error. But then David De Gea stole his thunder with uh, that that remarkable finale. And uh, it's easy for me to say now, but I, I did have a sneaking suspicion De Gea would, would save it. It's just one of those where it seems so obvious it has to go in that... The opposite happens because Noble's got such a clinical penalty record, and De Gea seemed incapable of saving penalties anymore. But it was a, it was a good save; he judged it well, and it was uh, it was just a remarkable finale. It was it was a struggle to keep up, not just with what was going on in the pitch, but the amount of penalty uh, appeals that was going on. I was I must have messaged about three or four people after the game saying what was the what was the other Ronaldo penalty appeal? And match the day, fortunately, showed it last night. But yeah, just just a pretty extraordinary finale. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned it there, Samuel, the the penalty decisions,
1: which, you know, we will come on to. You've done a piece this afternoon as well saying United deserve an explanation. So if anyone's not read that, go on to the Manchester News website. And, you know, I guess that's where my, from my point of view, where I think United did boss it because in another world they win that, they get three or four goals. But I guess in the circumstance, the way it goes, Ronaldo missed that chance quite early in the second half, which, you know, by his standards, you would maybe say he's a, a sitter or, or at least a chance. I mean, you know, it's Ronaldo who turns half chances into into chances, and we saw that with the goal. But on the penalties, I mean, United can have no complaints about the one they did concede late on, but they can have a lot of complaints about the ones they weren't giving themselves.
0: And West Ham should have had one for Wan-Bissaka on um, Thomas Suchet, which I have absolutely no idea what Wan-Bissaka was, was thinking with that challenge. He just ploughs into him. I'm not necessarily sure Suchet was offside either, but that was moot because the linesman hadn't raised his flag. I I, I'm, I say it, and I did that piece, because I am genuinely interested in to know what referees think when when they make those decisions and that transparency I think has has been needed for a long, long time. It doesn't seem like it's going to come in uh, whatsoever, which I think is a shame. I think other sports do benefit from explanations after games, during games. I'm not calling for referees to be mic'd up and for fans to go to games and pay 15 pounds to listen to what officials are saying during a game. I mean, there's a reason why I don't watch rugby, and that's that's one of those reasons that that fits in with the rugby crowd. It doesn't fit in with the football crowd. But I am genuinely interested to know one, just just going on the Zuma one, why Atkinson didn't think that was a penalty because he signaled a goal kick. And normally, referees when they mess up a decision like that, they give they give a corner, which which is even worse. It's like it's it's definitely not a corner, and you've not given a penalty. You've you've just made something up altogether. But he actually gave a goal kick which would indicate he thought Ronaldo dived. So why hasn't he booked Ronaldo? Um, And there were two occasions where he could have booked Ronaldo yesterday. I I know not necessarily not getting a penalty doesn't mean the player has dived. But I think in those instances, if Atkinson genuinely thought they weren't penalties, then on at least one of the occasions, he should have booked Ronaldo. But... Almost as bad, well, sorry, the worst thing possibly for the Zuma one is what the hell was Darren England, I think his name was, uh, the robot in Stockley Park on on the VAR. What the hell was he thinking when he saw that replay? I, I thought I was going mad when I saw that replay and nothing was happening. That The game hadn't stopped, that Atkinson hadn't gone to his monitor because obviously the replay showed it was just a patent penalty. And then the game just restarted. And I think when Shaw... When West Ham appealed about the sure handball, Ronaldo went to Ogbonna or one of the players who was appealing to Atkinson, points out the other end and say, you know, you've got some gall asking for a penalty there when I didn't get that at the other end. But it doesn't work like that. And it was just as well De Gea did make that save because it spared Atkinson and England from real uproar because it was almost as if they looked at that Zuma challenge and thought, well, you've won the game, so we're not going to give you a penalty as well. Which is just not how it works. No, exactly. And Look, I think most most supporters, uh, supporters of every club in the Premier League, have probably got an axe to grind with every referee. Atkinson and United is something that has been simmering for a number of years. He he's made dreadful decisions that have gone in United's favour. You can think of uh, Ashley Young's tackle on Aguero in the three-two derby in twenty eighteen. I think Rashford's goal against Liverpool a couple of years ago. There was definitely a foul in the build-up from, I think it was Lindelof on Origi or something. I'm pretty sure it was Lindelof. Um, so it's not like he's never made a decision against United, but he's just got such a wretched track record with such egregious decisions against United. And they're so glaring as well that there comes a point where you have to say, look, what's what is the issue here? And of course, with Ronaldo, uh, there's history there going back 13 and a half years to when he didn't get a penalty against Portsmouth in the, the cup game that United lost in, in 2008. And on, on that day, United had a, enough chances to win a month full of matches, but they didn't. And of course, when Sir Alex Ferguson's the manager, he's not going to be rankled by the finishing. He's going to be rankled by the referee's failure to give a clear penalty. But I, I, I say it, I mean, I did that piece because I just think it's in the, Premier League's interests, the, the standard of officiating my lifetime has not been this bad, and it seems to get worse. The, I, I remember in earlier in the year that Mike Dean decision at Fulham when he yeah. sent off Suchek for um, catching uh, Alexa- Alexander Mitrovic, I think it was, and even Mitrovic didn't think it was a red card and was saying to Mike Dean, look, what the hell are you thinking? And when we, I think I was in the press box at Old Trafford at the time, and it was quite full then, just before kickoff. And everyone is watching this game, they've seen the incident, they've seen the replays, and there's not a single soul in that stadium who's saying that's a red card. Mike Dean has also got the benefit of seeing seeing the same replays. And then Kel Sapries, Mike Dean sends off Suchek, and thankfully the um the red card was overturned. And it didn't it didn't really compromise West Ham that night. I think it was quite late on in the game, but There are just some referees who I'm pretty convinced are not focused on improving as referees or improving the officiating in the Premier League. Their focus is on grandstanding and attention seeking. And ironically, when they get a certain level of attention from a certain section of supporters who do not take kindly to their decisions, they don't like it. Um, But it's it's just very, very difficult to sympathise with them because... Okay, they've got a very difficult job to do, but they've been allowed to do it for as long as they have, and they're not getting better, they're getting worse. Atkinson, I think this is the 16th season, he's refereeing in the Premier League. There's a reason why you don't see English referees at World Cups anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it raises all those questions, particularly when we always hear about. The the sort of governing bodies looking at ways to improve the game and it's not by having more football and by getting cramped schedules and having major tournaments more often, it's about getting the core product better and you do also wonder, maybe that throws up the question in in regards to referees themselves, we have a transfer window for players, why aren't the Premier League trying (laughs) to recruit the best referees in the world? If you want the best product, surely you want the best people for every job. And, you know, it does, I did see that argument on social media that maybe the Premier League themselves should be looking overseas. And of course, maybe that's not how the FA would like it to be ran. But like I said, it's, it's a tedious conversation as well that happens every single week. And there'll always be a couple of teams in the Premier League and the fan base, which is really ticked off, and rightfully so, by just inexcusable officiating. And I know people always say, well, in the lower leagues, we don't have VAR, etc. But if you do have it, use it properly. That's the luxury of the Premier League. You can't use that as an argument because, you know, I'm sure everyone listening now will be getting angry again at, at it. But let's talk about the football for a bit and you know the lineup as well, Samuel. We both sort of on the blog duty yesterday put an in and it was a team we expected. I think fans were disappointed, but not surprised, to see the the midfield access return. What did you make of United's setup yesterday?
0: It was as expected. And I understood why Solskjaer did that coming up against Suchek and Declan Rice. It's it's a very strong, uh, pretty formidable midfield pairing that really should get better for West Ham as long as those two are together, which might not be too long if Chelsea or United have have their way next season. But we we saw during the Newcastle game, even Newcastle, who are pretty shot shy, not renowned for attacking football, had some joy against United on the counter attack, which is Nemanja Matic holding the fort. So... West Ham finished what sixth in the league last season. They've got a very good starting lineup. Moyes has done a really good job there. Suchek and Rice are influential players and their influence was always bound to be greater with Mikel Antonio suspended. That it wasn't a surprise whatsoever that Soskyard did go for a midfield partnership. I suppose the only slight surprise was that it was McTominay who was was fast tracked back into the side. Um, it was Heavily hinted that Matic was going to start that game just by him being on the bench in Burn in midweek. But clearly McTominay had done enough to convince Solskjaer he was fit enough to start that game. I didn't think McTominay or Fred, for that matter, had a very good first half at all. I didn't think Fred had a very good game whatsoever. McTominay McTominay had that one pass, didn't he? McTominay got better in the second half. I think he was a bit too tentative at times in in the first. That's that's bound to be a symptom of a player coming back from an injury and and also surgery that that he had on his groin as well, but he was a bit more himself in the second half. But Fred the risk of sounding a bit like Dave Hughes now. Uh but at the London Stadium as you know, it's it's quite a decent vantage point to get a good perspective of players' positionings. And Fred always seems to be in the wrong position when there is a counter-attack going on. And when he has misplaced a pass, he never seems to be in a position to mop up his own mess quickly enough. And th- the West Ham goal, one of those two midfielders has got to be in a position to be on Ben Rama far quicker than they were. I think Greenwood and Wan-Bissaka and, and Varan who obviously deflected the ball in, were, were on Benrahma quicker than either of the two midfielders, when that was an area for them to be occupying whether it was from a slow build-up from West Ham or whether it was a breakaway, so that's always going to be an issue that area. And as you said yesterday, it, maybe it's got to be matched with one of those two. And I, I think you might be, I think you might be right there. I know McTominay, Fred has been a, a relatively successful axis for United in terms of win percentage. There aren't many games that they lose whatsoever, um, but that's not necessarily down to their success as a partnership, I'd say. Um and, and Matic is the specialist in that role. So although you'd look at that West Ham game on Wednesday as one to maybe give Matic minutes in, I wouldn't necessarily say that should be the case because he should possibly be at, at the top of the pecking order in terms of uh, deep line midfielders for for the Villa game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it is sort of important like sort of difference isn't it because whenever we talk about that McFred or whatever it is Axis whenever anyone throws that partnership in it's always those two together but no one really discusses Matic as part of an Axis they always say well he's a specialist so he has to go there and I like like you said Samuel, I think everyone knows the long-term answer is to have one holding specialist for United so they can go a bit more expansive up front they can play to their strengths but at the moment they're just not good enough to do it so I agree I think Matic McTominay to me that has the it's got a bit of everything really and I think it give, gives you this you know, the the footing defensively. And then, of course, McTominay plays a bit further forward because that's what Solskjaer loves from him. But, you know, McTominay, like you said, coming back from surgery, still in that identity crisis that he wants to be an attacker midfielder, but he's better suited and United need him to be a defensive midfielder. But I do feel like that is the way United can solidify things going forward and of course everyone knows the elephant in the room is next summer like you said someone a la Declan Rice could be the answer but then we even saw ourselves Declan Rice isn't a centre defensive midfielder he'd be an improvement on the axis but he wouldn't be that sort of Cante who's just at the base of your midfield making everything effort tick so yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see how Solskjaer does sort of handle that one and you mentioned it before Samuel there was that feeling De Gea would save the penalty but did you have the same feeling that Jesse
0: Lingard would find the score sheet when he came off the bench? Not necessarily, but he's he's obviously got form for it. Recent form with that that lovely goal he scored against Newcastle the other week. But I think I think my dad said soonest was saying on on punditry after the game like what what the hell was Zuma thinking? He just shows him inside, and you can't show someone who's such a good clean strike with the ball that that gap. Um, and it was it was pretty it was it was so impressive the way he made it look so simple from the moment he got quite a fizzing pass from Matic trapped it on a pitch that was soaked by the rain and he just kept it under control kept it under control shifted it and then just the sheer speed he generated on that shot was remarkable it was just it was just brilliant technique brilliant football i think there was a point in lingard's career where certainly his his best his best moments were spontaneous whether it was mm. the, the cup semi final um strike on the volley the turn and half volley against chelsea earlier that year at Stamford bridge but although he is turning 29 in december he he has clearly developed his game in the last um four or five years and certainly that period at west ham has has undoubtedly helped but it's, it's it's strange for a player who has played most of his football for United either on the right or through the middle, um, off the strike. That is, he, he does seem right now to be far more suited to coming in off the left, which is obviously what a lot of players in the United squad. Yeah. I think to I counted when... seven
1: of them yesterday that would prefer that role. You've got Pogba, Rashford, yep. you've got Marshall, who's better on the left because he's not going to play through the middle, Lingard. You've yeah. only got the two youngsters in Alanga and Shoretire, who both left wingers who coincide. Yeah. and you've got Sancho, who's arguably better on the left than the right. But you've got one position,
0: yeah, which is is the dilemma, and that was uh, that was evinced. Yesterday as well, by the fact that it was it was Sancho who made way for the two midfielders um, coming in because it couldn't be Greenwood because he had a he's had a very good start to the season. It couldn't be Ronaldo because he's Ronaldo. It couldn't be Pogba because he's had a very good year and he's had a very good start to the season. And it couldn't be Fernandez because he's Fernandez. So I, I didn't really have much of a gripe with the the team that Solskjaer picked, other than that it seemed as though McTominay was rushed back a bit and. Certainly going off his first half performance, he needed 45 minutes to get up to speed. And as I said, in the end, he, he did improve after half-time and he was he was more like himself. But that, against another team, that might have been might have been a costlier decision. But, um, you know, as, as I said, I, I think it was inevitable that Solskjaer was going to get pilloried for playing Fred and another midfielder. And when, obviously, it's McTominay, it's the whole McFred thing and uh, people have a be-in-their-bonnet over that when... And, you go back to the Europa League final, I think if Fred and McTominay were the two midfielders and Pogba was on the left, I think United would have won that final. So, again, I've said it before, um, sometimes the best the best players don't make for the best team.
1: No, exactly. And, you know, hindsight as well is a wonderful thing because we were both there on the opening day of the season against Leeds. And when the team news dropped, everyone rolled their eyes thinking, God, this is exactly what we don't want to see. And it worked. And credit Solskjaer for that. And I guess, again, that is another narrative which has been important this week, Samuel, because on Tuesday night, Solskjaer was rightfully criticised for his substitutions, but his game management was a bit better, I thought, against West Ham. And like you said, the substitution was brave to bring Lingard on, but it worked. And, you know, when he brought Marshall on at Young Boys, you sense that that was just in the hope he might do something rather than any belief that he would be able to influence the game. But you sense with Lingard he actually would. And, you know, like you said, match to Lingard, two subs link up for, for the winning goal. But for you again, this season it does feel like it's all going to ride on just Solskjaer as an individual, how he adapts to, yeah. to this new environment. And Like I said, unbeaten in the league, it's hard to be too critical level on points with Liverpool and Chelsea, who you know can't do much wrong in the media's eyes. So what have you made of Solskjaer so far this season?
0: It has been a peculiar start in a lot of ways because there has been an awful lot wrong with United during games and certainly the performances away from home have not been particularly great i wouldn't say in burn had had they got a draw obviously that would have softened the the inquest if if there would indeed have been an inquest and the fact that it was the first group game helps because they should still they, they should still get through even though they've they've got tougher opponents to come in in atalanta and Villarreal but there have been there've been too many occasions where his in game management has has been dubious at best and i i certainly agreed with putting lingard on i think i'd have put if he was to make just one change, uh, rather than two changes, um, uh, which is what he did at West Ham. Then I'd have I'd have said it should be Lingard because although he had the the error in the week at Young Boys, he's been in better form than Sancho in the last um, the last month or so. He had a very good preseason. He'd have started the season had he not contracted COVID as well. So it was it was a brave decision to take Pogba off. I don't think too many people would have made that, but it was sometimes he does that. He does that original. He has that original thinking about him, and he'll. I think the the high point of that was last season when away at PSG. I I still think that group game at PSG was probably his management in game management. That's the absolute peak of it in terms of the setup, how it worked well. And then in the second half, he took Alex Tellez off, put Pogba on, changed formation. That that signalled a momentum shift because you've got a brilliant player like Pogba coming onto the pitch. And what happens is that Pogba supplies Rashford with the ball and, you know, he scores the winner and United win the game. So w- when I did that piece on his substitutions actually, last week, it was only fair that you reflect... the 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 high points of it as well as the low points and that high point came in Paris last year people talk about of course the the recovery in in 2019 but in terms of impressive performances impressive management the group stage game last year blows out out of the water but obviously it's the one it's it's the knockout tie that's going to endure long after Solskjaer has has left United as manager so there's room for improvement You, you don't want to you don't want to be um, peaking too early in a season. I think one of the best aspects about the home wins has been when United have conceded, they've responded very, very quickly. And then they've just taken Newcastle and Leeds to the cleaners. They they probably got stronger in both of those games in the second half, which wasn't always the case um, in games, certainly home games last season. And they do seem they do seem to be a team now that is more capable of just... You know, wiping the floor off teams and not having these, um, you know, these gritty games where they're, they're eking out results. I mean, they, they only took four points off West Brom last season, one and the, the winning, uh, the winning game out of those two was via a, a penalty, um, second half penalty, I think it was. And, and West Brom were unfortunate not to have got a penalty just before that. I think it was overturned, if, if memory serves me correctly. But I don't think United will be in that position where they're struggling to beat the fodder as much as they were last season. Sheffield United was probably the, the best or worst example of that, depending on how you look at it. But as you said, this, this is the season where it's all on Solskjaer. Ronaldo is going to be an individual success because he's just a great player. He's already got four goals in three games. There's only so long you can contain him. And yes, yesterday he sh- he should have buried that that chance early in the second half as well. Um, he-, he could have more goals than than four and three, as it is already. And when you've got Ronaldo, Pogba, Fernandez, you've signed Sancho, you've signed Varane, you've got Shaw and Maguire, possibly the best left-sided defensive combination um, in the world, certainly it was at the Euros. You've got De Gea, who is back in world-class form I think he's he's had an excellent start to the season. If he'd started last season like he started this season, then Dean Henderson might have gone out on loan again in the summer transfer window last year because De Gea has been faultless. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's not necessarily had a truly great save to make yet, but he's been dependable. Um, his confidence is up. Solskjaer even said he's a different man, so even he's noticed a change, which... Just reflects the pieces that we were writing and the stories we were writing last season, despite a uh, a myopic, biased faction minority of the uh, <laughs> online community's view on the goalkeeping situation. So, United, they they have started well, and I think thirteen points from from fifteen is probably the bare minimum that they'd have looked to have taken uh, when when the fixture list was released in in June or July, whenever it was.
1: Yeah, it was mid-June, I put that in the piece myself this morning because I was looking ahead, you know, we always said that October was going to be that defining month for United and they have to get unscathed to that. They've only dropped points once in the league, that was the Southampton game. Like you said, on De Gea made a it- it's not an important save, but you know it was a good save from Adam Armstrong there at Saint Mary's. Good save from Roman Saiz at uh, Wolves. The double save. Oh, sorry, yeah,
0: the, the, sa- yeah the Saiz save was great. That was that was the one great yeah, save one made that Definitely. sort of stands out. So yeah, you know
1: I I did that on the piece this morning. So you know there's seven points there that United have gained with a huge help from from De Gea's contribution. So it's good to see him back. Yep. And you know Solskjaer was ringing his praises at the full time at London Stadium. Samuel, a tedious topic. It's not Van der Beek this week, but Jaden I'm Sancho. Good. You know people are. Uh, it's just ridiculous that if you don't start life with a hat-trick on your debut or something you're you, you called a flop and you know there's that toxic sort of small minority on social media who's saying Sancho what, what, what is his role in this United side form's not been great but you know last season he started poorly for Borussia Dortmund you know on the back of all that speculation of move to United I think he got four goals in, in sort of four months and then in the turn of 2021 he finished the season with 16 goals for Dortmund so he, he you know trebled his output really and you know there's a lot of time to come and before the match at the weekend Solskjaer said that you know Sancho is a player for the next decade but is there any reason to be concerned by him so far I'm very much of the the you know that mantra that especially since now that Ronaldo's come on he's the pressure a bit that let him take his time it probably suits Sancho that he's not got that pressure on his shoulders at the moment to, to hit the ground running
0: Concerned would be too strong a word. I mean, if if Roy Keane's even saying give the kid a break, you know that the, you need to give the kid a break. I, I'm not too surprised that he has he has struggled really because going from Dortmund to United is such a such a massive leap. There's no pressure at Dortmund. You're you're pretty much playing for the German Cup every year, and I think he only won that once in his four years with them. Uh, the The league is monopolized by Bayern by Munich. Um, Champions League wise, Dortmund have never really got near to that that peak, peak under Klopp in 2013 when they reached the final. They've they've become a halfway house for some of the best players in Europe. Haaland will go next year. Jude Bellingham will probably go the year after that if they're lucky enough to keep him that long. And this, as I've said before, I think United are the most scrutinized sporting institution on on the planet, and the demands are immense, and so. Sancho is going to take time to adjust to that. Um, I think it's different for other players. I mean, go back a couple of years and Maguire and Wan-Bissaka joined United from Leicester and uh, Crystal Palace and Daniel James. It was, even, it was even stranger in that he went from a championship club in Swansea to the Premier League. But it's different because the expectation on James was... There, there was no expectation, and that's probably why he he had such a good start to his United career. Maguire and Wan Bissaka are defenders, so the demands on them are not as are not as immense as they are on, on an attacker. And Sancho's numbers, you know, the whole goals and assists, goals creations, or whatever nonsense people talk about, but they're flattering numbers. And sometimes you've just got to look at the actual performances and the actual efficacy of the player rather than just throw numbers at them and he's he would do well to get anywhere near uh his goals or assists in the Bundesliga in the Premier League because the Premier League is a much more competitive league the Bundesliga is an intense league in itself and I think the pace of it should suit Sancho eventually in the uh in the Premier League in that I think those two leagues are quite a more similar they're possibly the most similar out of the top five leagues in Europe um but again uh, he he had to be the full guy on Sunday. I, I, as I said, I completely understood why Solskjaer, um brought in two midfielders into that game, and Sancho had to be the one uh, to be dropped. So you know, fair enough on for Solskjaer to make that call. It was the right call to make. Uh, I think it reflects well on Solskjaer as well that he's not going to just play a centre two point nine million pound summer signing for the sake of it. There've got to be times where. He, not times, you've you've just always got to put the team first. And I thought that decision was in the team's best interests. And of course, when you send Sancho on the second half, there's a chance that he can make something happen, that he can contribute to it. Now, OK, he didn't, but I'm sure there'll be occasion um, at some point this season where he, he will have a game-changing impact off the bench. But also with the Euros in the summer, he he did not have a good European Championship, Um there was not great feedback from the england training uh, the england staff um, regarding his training performances before he did get a look in against ukraine in in the quarter final game uh, he had the you know it was, it was a demoralizing final for him because he he missed his penalty was saved uh, by donnarumma as well and when he did that interview uh, in house interview with united um, for his for his signing, that was the takeaway quote from it. It was it was him just you know saying he wished he'd played more at the Euros, which was a bit incongruous for a new signing interview. But that's that's how he was feeling at the time. So his his confidence must have been dented as well from from the summer and the Euros and the lack of playing time, and then the the, the agony of not converting his penalty in the final as well. Even though Gareth you know, Southgate has to take a lot of responsibility for his management of Sancho throughout the month.
1: Yeah, you thought maybe David Moyes would have learned that when he sent Mark Noble on just to take a spot <laughs> kick uh, on Sunday as well. And yeah, I've just got Solskjaer's quote up from pre-match West Ham and he said, he's 21, he's learning the game, he's learning how we train, he's learning how we play, he's learning the Premier League, but he's coming hungry to learn. We know his talent and we signed him with a thought that we're going to have a top forward here for the next 10 or 12 years, Jaden's Feiniger's feet. It's unfortunate that he fell just ill He's he going to come in, so he was out and he lost a bit of preseason, but he is wooden guard and he will be good. So the Sol, you know, Solskjaer's backing is we're so early into the season. It's not even the end of September. We can't be that gunker. He can't be too hard sort of in you know, or out on any play at the moment. And that's another thing that's made this week so ridiculous, really. Some of the criticisms we've seen, particularly you know of Solskjaer and et cetera, of what United season's gonna be like. It's it's too hard to to go that negative and, you know, so much can change. And United are back in action on Wednesday, Samuel. The Carabao Cup's an interesting one this season. It's not one of the targets United... Probably will have set out for the start of the season, but they do need to end this trophy drought. It probably is the clearest opportunity of a trophy this season. You know, we've both been at Carabao Cup games the last couple of years, and we've said that you know it's got maybe a bit more excitement than the FA Cup at times because the nature yeah. of the players who get to play, the excitement, the good away allocations, the, the the way that it's all scheduled. Really, it is you know a competition which I think United have to embrace. Looking ahead to the team selection as well, Solskjaer already hinted after the West Ham game that Lingard will be involved again against his former side. You know, it's always a tricky one when you face the same side in, a, in a, you know space of a couple of days. Expect lots of changes, but which type of players are you looking to see in action for United in midweek?
0: Well, we we might as well mention Donny Van Der Beek now because I think it's pretty certain he'll he'll start that one. He he was unfortunate to come off. At half time in Burn, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure he was the right player to hook. Well, I, I, I don't think you know I should have gone to a back three anyway. And and, and Van der Beek, I thought acquitted himself pretty well in the first half, but he, as his agent said, he's he's not been signed to play in in the League Cup. Uh, and I think his agent also said he's not been signed to play in Champions League group games <laughs> either. But that—that is—that is, that is that's what the he's dream, getting used for. Yeah, that, that's that's all he's getting used for this month, um, it seems, because I don't think he's going to be starting against Aston Villa or Everton uh, before the next round of, of internationals. But you know, with, with with the goalkeeping situation, Henderson would like to play, but Tom Heaton's been on was on the bench again. He's—I don't think he's still. He's still not made his debut for Manchester United in in either spell, so he, he's probably earned that, and that this week might finally be the week for him. Uh, with with Henderson possibly uh, coming onto the bench, I, I can imagine how badly that would be received by Henderson if if, if Tom Heaton is is starting in that game. Um, it was you know, the 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 influence of Raphael Varane is such that when I was speaking to. Um, Frida Fagerland who uh covers pre- the Premier League for, for Swedish television uh I said to her oh yeah I've just realized Victor Lindelof's not here uh at the London Stadium and she's like oh I even I hadn't realized Lindelof's here <laughs> that, that's how um forgotten Lindelof has become now that United have got Varane have finally got Varane at the club so I, I don't nobody knows why Lindelof wasn't there he'll obviously have had an injury of some sort, um, having played against young boys earlier in the week. But you'd have thought that Lindelof and Bay would be the partnership if both if both of them are fit. If if not, then maybe it is it is Phil Jones's time to To finally play again for the first time since what was it, January twenty fourth, twenty twenty, I think, um, the the Tranmere game, which he scored in as well. Yeah, uh, I'm sure every, I'm sure a lot of people read the, the the brilliant interview that he that Jonathan Northcroft did with him in in the Sunday Times, which certainly did shed a different light on his situation. It was a genuinely revelatory. Read the fact that he had knee knee injury issues before he even joined United does not reflect well. On the united medical staff at the time um they've they've signed players since where they've flagged issues um during medicals and that's dragged out the process of a transfer here or there until it's been completed so they have learnt lessons but yeah the the, the fact that you know some low life would would abuse him in front of his child in inhale is is, is Pretty, pretty appalling behaviour, and he, it's probably a chat he should have done a while ago. But as he said, yeah. the, the trigger was Rare Ferdinand's criticism of him last month, and I, I, I thought I thought Ferdinand was hard but fair, but I was still taken aback by the tone he, he went with. It's almost as if Ferdinand's become a bit of a shock jock this season. I'm, I'm not too sure whether he's deciding to rebrand himself, but uh, he was talking nonsense last week as well about Ronaldo getting up. Um, during the game in Bern when I think I even tw- I, I even tweeted at the time why him, why Ronaldo and Fernandes were on their feet um, over a foul that was committed on Matic, I think it was, but but Ferdinand just completely missed the point. And fair to Solskjaer, he, he he had to put him in his place again in his his briefing with the um, the Sunday guys at, uh, last week. So. It wouldn't surprise me if Jones is involved in some way or form because I think United feel duty bound to to get him back to a level where he's frankly employable again because his his future can't be at United. I think that's got to be that that has to be accepted now. Um, his his two goals now between now and January are to get fit. As well as stay fit, and also um, put the feelers out as to which clubs might be interested in taking him on on loan in January, uh, and and beyond the defence, yeah, Van der Beek, Lingard, I suppose Marshall will will have to start because we still don't quite know how fit Cavani is, but but Marshall needs um, needs minutes because it's, it's kind of flown under the radar how how frankly irrelevant he's he's been at United this season.
1: Yeah, exactly. It'll be certainly an interesting one. I know those games. You know, they do throw up those sort of interesting storylines. I, 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 quite, be... I quite like
0: them. Yeah, I, I quite yeah. like the the mass rotation. I think it's, sometimes it's better when they're not televised as well. I think there's there's more intrigue when United aren't on the telly for these these cups. Yeah, they're games, not always watchable, it,
1: are they? But they're no, interesting. not
0: always. Not always. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's very very rare United are not on television in the cup. And then when they're not on TV, like against
1: Newcastle, it becomes a
0: national story as well. So exactly, there's no winning, yeah. is
1: there? We complain when they're on TV, complain when kickoffs get changed, and then when they stay as they're meant to be, it's also a crisis as well. But that's Manchester United, like you said, some of the most criticised club in the world. You know, everything they do is wrong to some fan, isn't it? So uh, we'll see what 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 lies ahead this week. But yeah, thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester Red podcast. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it as always. And thank you very much, wherever you are in the world. Once again, thank you very much for your support and thank you very much for listening to today's podcast as always, please do leave a like and subscribe. If you haven't already, we'll be back later in the week.